Hello everyone, this is the Legendary Nerds Podcast, which is in fact not really all that legendary. I am your host, Hal, here with my lovely wife and associate, Rogue, and my legendary sibling, Bubblegum. Hey guys. He's going to be joining us on this episode. We're going to continue to talk about spooky things because it is still the month of Spooktober. Uh, We have a few days left. And we're going to take this opportunity to talk about more games or just anything that we really find scary. Because, you know, we tend to rant about that. Uh, so, Rogue. Yes. What would you like to talk about? Probably another game. Probably. Um, one of my favorite horror point and clicks that I've played so far has to definitely be Fran Bow. Um, oh, I never heard of that game. Really? It's... You're missing out. It is such a good game. The visuals are the art style itself is very different um i I don't think i've ever seen an art style quite like frambo before um and the horror imagery in it when you switch perspectives with a little girl is probably some of the creepiest things you'll see yeah on the, the note about visuals i watched her play this entire thing i was enthralled it almost looked like a like a really creepy pop-up book. That's a per- yeah, that is a perfect description of it. It it was I think you would call it probably 2D. I think that's um, close to 2D. Like yeah, like a 2D, 3D kind of thing. Yeah. You could fuse the two. The for sure the visuals really set the creepy tone. I mean, yeah. as soon as the game starts looking at the visuals, it was just really unnerving. Yeah, and the fact that you're playing a little girl, I I don't know if her age was necessarily said, but I think she was around eight or ten. And just to think that this little girl is seeing these horrifying images and going through these very, very creepy places, and it, it's 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 scary to know that a little kid is going through this. I think from what I like about this game is I think everybody gets something different from it. I mean, there is really no set answer. Mm-hmm. But what I got from it is that it's a story about mental illness. That's what I got from it. Um, I just, I'm gonna try not to spoil this. Um, I thought that the little girl had an issue with mental illness and was seeing these images that weren't really there. But at the same time, there's a possibility that they could have been there, which is what I love about this game is I mean, everybody, I've talked to a few people about it, and they got something completely different than what I did. Yeah, I, to me, it looked as if the little girl was dealing with the trauma of her past. Not going to be too spoilery, um, but to me, I was thinking she's seeing all these horrifying images as a way to cope with what happened to her and what happened in her past life. And I think it did a very good job at giving you little hints here and there to yes. to let you come along into the story yourself. Absolutely. It didn't spoon feed you at all and I love that. Yeah, so it, many games these days do that and this game just let you figure everything out. It trusted everyone's intelligence that played this game and let you put your own opinions in. Funny, you know, if you hadn't told me that title beforehand, I would have confused the game with Little Nightmares. Sounds very similar. Um, Little Nightmares is another pseudo-horror game that uh, combines, like, creepy childlike visuals with puzzle gameplay. Um, it doesn't so much tackle mental illness or anything like that, but it's, um, it's a genuinely spooky game. 
I remember playing that a little bit and oh gosh, what the monster, the one monster that you run into with the long hands. With the long arms. Yes, with the long arms. That freaked me out, especially with how fast he moved. Yeah, yeah. Especially the part where um like he goes under the door and he's like trying to grab oh you gosh. and you have to like dodge his hands and then close the door to crush his hands. That's not a spoiler, right? No, not really. Yeah. I mean if you haven't played that game yet then like <laughs> it it freaked me out. Yeah, it's on PS4. Um, it also came out on Switch, which I forgot about for a while, but it really? is out. Yeah, it's out physically for Switch, and that's also a great place to play it. Um, it has some DLC as well, and the DLC was also fantastic Wait, and well-received. The Switch comes with the DLC? Um, the PS4 had two versions. It had Little Nightmares without the DLC, and the little, um, the little figure of the girl with the trench coat. And then it also had the complete edition, which came with the DLC, but it was stupid. It was on a voucher. It was a digital code instead of having the DLC on disc, which is the reason collectors like me buy those versions in the first place. I mean, I was the dumbass that sold my original Little Nightmares for this complete package to get the same shit. <laughs> <laughs> but with a voucher. But with a voucher. That with just voucher. wasted my time. Um, the Switch version, don't quote me on this, it should have the DLC on the cartridge. But again, don't quote me on this. Um, but it should. Because I don't think the Switch version came with any vouchers. I think that was just the PS4. Yeah. We don't, we don't do vouchers here. No, we, we don't do that here. <laughs> Not in this household. We don't. Not in my house. Okay, so... Um, yeah, I would like to talk about a little game called Outlast. I'm sure you've, if you haven't played it, you must have at least seen some gameplay of it. You had to have. Yeah, it's very, I, I, I want to describe it as unique because no other horror game has really expanded or focused on the just having a camcorder and not being able to attack. Um, I want to say that Outlast is kind of the Outlast did what Five Nights at Freddy's did, where after Five Nights at Freddy, we saw an influx of all these games with the seven night cycle where right. you had to survive. Yeah. Outlast kind of launched that run and hide. You have no way to protect yourself. You're vulnerable mm -hmm. kind of gameplay. But Outlast is the originator for good reason. I think Outlast did everything in that department right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The game, um, it, it definitely has its flaws. I mean, for one thing, the character models are just fucking horrendous. <laughs> and every enemy looks, except like the, I guess you could label them as bosses. Like every lackey has the exact same model. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's still a really good game, and you should definitely try it out. It's not for the faint of heart, though. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Definitely not. Yeah. I think one other flaw that I think, it's not too bad, but I think it does rely pretty heavily on jump scares. Um, because it leaves you in just like a really quiet area that you're walking through and then all of a sudden someone shows up You get slammed into a wall. You get pulled through something like I do think it kind of relies on jump scares a bit But I that mean, could just be me. No, I, I definitely think it relies on jump scares, but Outlast really started that whole you're vulnerable. You have no way to protect yourself kind of trend um, which is, is scary in itself. I mean, we're used to, even Resident Evil fell into the guns blazing, yeah. fast gameplay, first person shooter. 
Um, even okay, Silent you know Hill. You can talk about Resident Evil all you want, <laughs> but you can't even sit here online and say we have not played Resident Evil 5 like three times together. <laughs> that okay? is a guilty pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> the game is shit, but... <laughs> it's, it's not good. But Resident Evil 7 was fantastic. Yes. Resident Evil 7 was amazing. In some circles, I'm sure. Um, the extra content was thoroughly enjoyable. I'm going to take this moment to talk about the VR mode in Resident Evil 7, which just took that game to new heights. I mean, that game was scary by itself, but with VR mode, just amped it up to 100. Yeah, let me tell you what these assholes did. <laughs> when, when they got VR, they... Um, wanted me to try it out and so they suggested that we play Resident Evil well that I play Resident Evil 7 <laughs> and at the beginning of the game it's very different from how the rest of the game works you have no weapons and you have to hide from um what's the main character's name Jack Jack yeah oh, the, the, the Baker family there's yeah. Marguerite Jack Lucas yeah it's Jack I think you have Zoe. to hide from in the beginning um, yeah, you meet Daddy Baker in the beginning. <laughs> Basically, yeah. And he, um, he's a scary guy, let me tell you. And in VR... He's even ooh. scarier. Jesus. Yeah, in VR, I remember watching him play. And the first, I want to say, half hour of the game is fairly quiet. You're exploring this place, you know, trying to get grounded, look at your surroundings. And Daddy Jack bursts through the wall uh luckily you're still behind the corner when he does this so he doesn't see you but i literally watched him frozen in fear <laughs> too afraid to move because that's how scary that moment was and he was wearing a good quality headset so he heard all of that all that wall breaking all the brick he heard his steps and uh jack just kind of taunts you like you're a child yeah, where are you, boy? Like, come here, boy. You don't want to play, boy. It's it's. He's so patronizing, and it's it makes you feel like that vulnerable kid again. Yeah. Where yeah. you are running from the discipline of your parents, sometimes in an abusive environment. I think Resident Evil Seven, especially in VR, did a great job of making you feel utterly vulnerable. Even though you, in theory, had a way to defend yourself, Jack. He was invincible for the most part. Yeah. See, but that's where I kind of thought that Resident Evil fell short. Or it's maybe because of the type of games I prefer. Um, once you got a gun, my enjoyment of the game just depleted. And I didn't want to play anymore. I mean, first of all, because I died to the first enemy. And I, I kind of like the run. You can't really defend yourself that much but i want to argue that point i don't see anything wrong with eventually getting the use of a gun and the use of rocket launchers and, and more deadly weapons because i saw it as more of a realistic evolution of a character i mean when he starts off he can barely throw a punch without being out of breath he's still very new to this but as he progresses and the story goes along he becomes more experienced when you first fire the gun, it has terrible recoil. I mean, you fire it and it, it 
it's awful. It, it's really janky, but it's purposely janky because he's still new. He's still figuring things out. But as the game goes on, he gets more efficient with guns and weapons. And these things aren't as big of a threat as they once were, but that's natural. I think that's very realistic. And I loved it. I thought it was a great mechanic. I thought they did that part right. Uh, Outlast, I don't like that you were just vulnerable the whole game. It just felt like a really primitive version of cat and mouse. It wasn't... Outlast couldn't keep my attention the whole game. That's fair. I will say that that uh, addition in Resident Evil 7 definitely did make it more immersive, I would say. What addition? The, that as you go on, you get more experience as you go. I, I think that yeah. definitely... Well, that's just my take on it. Yeah. I think that's the reasoning for it. I could be wrong and they it could just be terrible design, but I think that they purposely made it so that he eventually gets more efficient with his weapons to... Uh, to kind of, excuse me, symbolize that he's growing. That's that what I took from it, but I could be wrong. That's fair, that's fair. Well, it's it's very similar to, I mean, I'd like to say before we move on that I'm glad that Resident Evil 7 wasn't an Outlast clone because Resident Evil pretty much founded the survival horror genre. Absolutely. So to see it turn into something it's not, which it already did with Resident Evil 5 basically becoming a goddamn Call of Duty. Like a buddy cop film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a guilty pleasure aside. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Alien Isolation, it's kind of like a... You can almost see it as a mixture between Resident Evil and Outlast to where you can defend yourself, but against the alien, you are completely... You cannot do anything. The alien cannot die. Um, about halfway through the game, you get a flamethrower, but you don't get very much ammo for it, and it doesn't kill the alien. It only, you know, makes it run away. I, yeah, I... Um, I mean, there, I'm, I'm sorry, I keep bringing this back to Resident Evil 7, but there are definitely comparisons between the two. I noticed that in both Alien Isolation and Resident Evil 7, um, the game kind of intentionally gives you a strong weapon, like a flamethrower or uh, a magnum, but then when you go to use it, like when you use that against the alien or when you use the gun against uh, Daddy Baker, it does nothing. So it's traumatizing as a player to feel that power just get pulled right out of your hands. Like you thought things would change, you feel empowered, and then the game quickly reminds you that you're not at the top of the food chain in this game. You're at the bottom. And that have like that moment as the player is is a fucking brilliant thing for a game to do. I would agree, I would agree. I I mean countless times the alien is so fast that if you don't have the flamethrower equipped, you're most likely going to die when it sees you because it just makes a hissing noise. You hear footsteps, and you're if dead. it's behind you, you, you see the little tail like poke out of your stomach from you getting stabbed or impaled. So, mm. yeah, um, not I a mean, pleasant experience, I'm sure. I, I just fangirl every time I see the alien and the working Joes because that AI design is just so good. It's so good. I don't think people appreciate how good the AI in Alienization is. They're intelligent. Like, the AI is intelligent. It thinks, it plans accordingly. 
I mean, I hate to bring this fucking game up, but Alien Colonial Marines, the alien was so Ugh. fucking dumb and retarded. Dumb. It was running into shit. It was going through walls, <laughs> breaking its own fucking mythology, stabbing itself. It was terrible. Yeah. But in Alien Isolation, the alien moves in ways that make sense. I would wholeheartedly agree to that. It always knows the general area in which you're at. It's never far away. And um, with the inclusion of the motion tracker, the suspense of hearing the beeping sound when it's getting close and seeing the green dot get closer and you're trying to scramble to hide somewhere, it's just, <laughs> it's, an, it, it's an experience that you, you just have to, if you're a survival horror fan, you have to play the game. It's just, it's a must play. In fact, if you're a survival horror fan, you've played the game. Uh, I have a question for you. Do you think that Alien Isolation is underrated? I think it's <laughs> underrated, but honestly, because I don't think a lot of people had the balls to play it. I don't think a lot of people know it's good. After Alien Colonial Marines, it just yeah. hurt so many it people. It left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. Yeah, I don't think people knew that Alien Isolation was a fantastic sequel. Like, literally changed everything that was wrong with Alien Colonial Marines. Absolutely. I don't think people know. I think people still don't realize that it's a really good, competent horror game. Oh, okay, people. So we, we know what our mission is. We, we, have to, we have to propagate. We have to, we have to advertise, okay? We need the public to know <laughs> what a great fucking game it is, okay? You will not be disappointed. No. Speaking of sequels... Do you think Outlast 2 approved on anything in Outlast 1? Well, do you think Outlast 2 improved of anything about the next one? <laughs> Does that sound wrong? <laughs> yes, in my mind. No, Did no, Outlast 2 improve anything over 1? There we go. That's what I wanted to say. I, I, I think your first sentence was correct, but... It might have been. I think it would go either way. I think. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. But that's a good question. But yeah, um, I guess I'll go first. Uh, I don't think so. I think Outlast 2 is more of the same, but with more shock value. I, I mean, in the first one, it was a lot of dicks and dicks on dicks <laughs> with dicks. Actually, mm, it was a lot of penises. It was, it was lightly spiced with... <laughs> Male. It was a dollop of penises. That, that's literally <laughs> perfect. It was a dollop of penises. Title. And then Outlast 2 was just dicks, dicks, dicks on dicks. You have a dick? Okay, because I have a dick. Here's my dick. Outlast 2? Dicks, yes. And Outlast 2, everything, every letter that you read is about taking someone's seed and killing or children. Opening her cunt. Or, <laughs> like, literally, yeah, that's. Um... Or. Not even a fucking spoiler alert, literally. No, like. Or, unfortunately, children, uh, the death of children is a big one that comes up to birth to the devil spawn out of your cunt <laughs> with someone's dick blood. It, it's really, it's awful stuff. Dreaming and about killing your child. Yes. Oh, yes, that was one of them. And it's not one of those letters that you read. You're like, oh, my God, that's terrible. After a while, you just get desensitized to it. It's, it's too much. Yeah, you figure the next letter you're going to pick up is just going to be as terrible as the last one. Oh, uh, I don't know if I can really say, though, that it increased the shock value. Because the first one, the DLC whistleblower, when... Oh. Yeah, yeah, we're going there. Um, 
you make a good you make a really good point. Yeah, there's a chapter where you Spoiler alert. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Um <laughs> spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. So, yeah. There's a chapter in the DLC where you meet a man named Gluskin and people also call him the husband. Well, the prisoners call him the husband. And before you even meet him, you hear overhear them talking about how he's going to make you his bride. And, yeah. you know, oh. creepy little inferences to who he is and, like, what he does. And you actually meet him. And that, that, that whole chapter is just, there is some truly disturbing things you will see. Like, like a man with his, like his genitals cut off with, like, a slit in the middle and, like, another guy's head poking out of it. To oh. mimic a vagina, it's oh. it's some fucked up stuff. Yeah, it's some fucked up stuff. I actually think the DLC was arguably more disturbing than the actual game. Absolutely, didn't wasn't Gluskin's whole purpose to make you his bride so you could have his child? Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. that's that's what I thought. Take men, by the way. Men, just putting that out there. He doesn't want a female that already has um, a birth canal. He would rather take a gentleman and. Um, you already know where that's going. I'm not gonna give yeah, you that I don't image. Think- and if you don't know, then there's that like actually a scene in the game where he tries to enact the process upon you. Which oh my you god, escape. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Outlast the whistleblower was terrifying for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> for all the wrong reasons. Oh my god. But Outlast Two, I don't think really approved upon anything. I mean, were there any new mechanics in Outlast Two? No. Yeah, right? Yes, there was actually. Um, Firstly, there was the bandage mechanic to where if you were to get injured, you could oh, right, yeah. um, bandage like repair. yourself. Yeah. <laughs> repair um, yourself. I love that. <laughs> Increase your health. I don't, I don't fucking know. Um, what else was there? Do you think they improved on the AI? Because I remember playing a bit with you. I am so happy you brought that up. Yes, that is oh, probably yeah. the single yeah. best improvement Outlast 2 made. The first Outlast suffered from the problem of just being way too fucking easy. You literally could run past 85% of the bosses and they would not catch you. That's a good point, yeah. Um, in Outlast 2, I, I think there was just like a general speed increase. Um, yeah, but don't forget the difficulty that you played on. I don't think that's normal for the easy difficulty or the normal difficulty. You were playing on the hardest difficulty in Outlast 2, which made that, the AI more observant. Well, technically, I guess not the hardest difficulty, because the hardest, I believe, is Nightmare, and that's where you can't save. And I'm I'm not with that shit. Um, <laughs> I got things to do. I got people to meet. I got businesses to attend. Cats to, to. put through college. It's just, mm-mm. I ain't got the time. But I know that you do get an achievement, a, a trophy, I'm sorry, to use Xbox, a trophy for it, so... I may consider it sometime in the future. Yeah, you have to have a, a good amount of time for that, though. Especially if the difficulty's as bad as it was when you're playing um, hard mode. The first Outlast, though, I don't think that trophy is really difficult to get. Like, in fact, Probably I not. think if you try, if I were to try two or three times, I could end up getting it. Not because I'm like a pro at the game, but that it's just an easy trophy to get. Well, back to the AI. The, the AI is just, they're so much more observant. Um, there's actually sometimes where they don't, if, if there is only one place to hide in the room and 
they didn't see you, but they know that you ran past here, they will check that place. <laughs> like, I got pulled out from under a bed multiple times, even though the people didn't see me there, because it's the only place to hide. I remember getting dragged out of a barrel after turning a corner away from someone I was running from, because that was the only barrel in the vicinity, and I'm like, I crap my pants. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh, Outlast, uh, LRG is putting out a physical version of it on Switch. Um, Outlast? Outlast on Switch. No way. Yep. I mean, it's out digitally now, but they're putting out a physical version for it for the month of Spooktober. Spooky! Dad, wow. Like, do they really want to ruin kids' childhoods by having them accidentally play that game? That game made me a man. <laughs> but um we've talked for a fair good bit of time we're gonna wrap this up as per usual we started doing i guess game recommendations at the end so if you guys have any game recommendations for our listeners to go home or whatever you're doing to go and play um rogue what would those be i would definitely i know i talked about it already but i definitely say frambo um Another suggestion, this was a little bit weird, but bear with me. Uh, Doki Doki Literature Club was actually pretty good, even though it looks really cutesy, but I promise it's actually really freaking weird. What about you, Bubblegum? Oh, for me, it would definitely have to be. I know I've been like gushing about this game, this podcast. So Alien Isolation, please, please, please play it. Do not let the previous entry deter you. All right, it is an amazing game. I'm sure you'll love it. And if you don't finish it, it's okay. No one's going to judge you. Okay, you're loved here. This is your safe place. Right, okay. So. <laughs> um, for me, I'm going to try not to overload you guys with suggestions as I like to do. Um, please play if you have the opportunity, because I know VR is pretty expensive. Um, but if you have the opportunity, please play Resident Evil 7 in VR. Even if you've played it before, it's a different experience. Um, so that would be my recommendation. Trust me, I, I, I want to tell you more, but I'm going to hold off on it. Play Resident Evil in VR. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Um, hopefully, I can get Bubblegun on some more episodes in the future. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Thank you all for listening, and we hope you have a spooky, spooky day. Bye. Bye.